Hey now, Rob here, Rob School of Music, and we are live with the incredible Mr. Jeff Schroeder from Smashing Freaking Pumpkins. Holy crap. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, brother. Thank you so much for your time. So, you know, I, I, when compiling stuff for this, there was just so many directions this could go. And I'm sure, you know, your experience and story is going to be mind blowing. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> so we're, we're a, a music school. Um, we do lessons. We do one on one private lessons um, in person. And then during, um, you know, 2020 and part of 21, we were fully virtual. And during that period of time, I started doing these interviews just to kind of bring the bigger music world closer to my students. And they absolutely love this and rewatch them. And it, it's like a masterclass every time. So the um, the first thing I like to start with is how'd you get into music? Was there was there a particular record or a show or something that made you say, this is what I want to do with my life? Um, I think I the just through context really is how I got into music. I think uh, when I was a young child, it was the late seventies, early eighties, which was, you know, maybe I'm just nostalgic. Was a high point you yeah, know, for yeah. music, and um, and I had an older brother who's eight years older than me who was a Kiss fanatic. So that combination, late seventies Kiss. I mean, I just I literally grew up with that music in the background. And, you know, like my dad took my brother to see Kiss in 77 at the LA Forum with Cheap Trick. And we had posters in the bedrooms. Um, so in addition to that, it was Kiss, Zeppelin, uh, UFO, uh, you know, you name it, like kind of the pantheon of late 70s, kind of hard rock and, and stuff. And then Kind of going into the early 80s, there was, you know, some of this kind of emergent new wave, like the, you know, like bands that were actually really popular, though, like the Cars, um, like Flock of Seagulls, even stuff like Tom Petty. My brother was, you know, kind of there's a lot of good rock going on. And then once it transitioned, you know, into the early 80s, like 82, 83, with the rise of kind of like this kind of newer metal bands, I was just already fixated on the guitar. And so, by the time I was eight or nine, I was like, I gotta get a guitar and, and beg my parents. And so they finally, they bought me a harmony acoustic guitar, which is still, you know, it was still the era of where you would look at the, the catalogs that would come to the house. Sure. You know, and it'd be, you know, clothes, household goods. And then at the very back, you'd have like two pages of like some real, like one electric guitar, one acoustic guitar, one amp, you know, and, um, and so I, they had this harmony acoustic guitar. And so my parents actually got it for me. And, and that started the journey, you know, probably around 1982, 83, somewhere around there. That's awesome. You know, it's funny when yeah. I, when I do these talks, it's it, it, kiss comes up all the time. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a kiss guy. I took my son. Um, he's 10 now when he was nine, I took him to Madison square garden for his first show and it was kiss and um, I taped him on my phone as the curtain dropped and I start with Detroit Rock City and just I have that forever preserved. So when he's a rocker down the road, I could be like, this was the moment where it happened for you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, from it, I mean, those pictures and those images from those records, because that's all all I had were, you know, my brother had all the LPs and then the right. posters. And so you just stare at the one picture over and over and over again. And I didn't get to see kiss until the first reunion in 96 wow. and 
Um, and I got to see him at the forum and you know what, it, it completely exceeded my expectations. <laughs> it was so good. They were so great when they came back and, um, yeah, to this day, even though my musical interests have grown in many different directions, there's just something about the sound of the band, of the, the voices, the, the music that, that I really just really is like a comfort thing to me. And. You know, when you really think about a band like Kiss, they often get, you know, criticized for their lack of musicality and obviously, you know, putting a lot of emphasis on the commercialization of, of their products and whatnot. But when you really think about it and you go back and you listen to the catalog from the 70s through the 80s, you know, even into the some stuff into the 90s, there's a lot of great songs, a lot of great music, a lot of great playing. And I, and sadly, I feel like that gets overlooked, but they have, I mean, if you put together a playlist, it's a long playlist. It's not five great songs or 10 great songs. You're like, I'm, I could be into 25, 30 great songs. And then it's like, okay, what well, like, like deep tracks, great songs. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that, you know, there's such a great band and, it, and it's so interesting to hear how even for you and your son that, that it's 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 kind of a a legacy that gets passed on from generation to generation because it's something about it still translates. Absolutely, but you know what? You, it it's you know tying it into into your story. You know, it's it's good songs. I mean, these timeless bands, as with Smashing Pumpkins, good songs live on. Yeah, it, yeah. They they generations fads. When it's all said and done, at the end of the day, a good song lives, and that's that's really about it. Um. And I want to get into all of that, but let's let's continue on the timeline. So you got the oh, yeah, harmony sure. guitar um, because that dude, I have ADD. I've, that's why I have. If you see me looking to the side, I have a list because otherwise I'll just sit here and we'll nerd out over cool stuff. So. Yeah, we'll just we're like 45 <laughs> minutes into like you know, the Lick It Up album. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I, I've, I've been guilty of that for real. Like that's not even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got the harmony guitar. Um, was it was it lessons? Was it self-taught? What, uh, how long before the an electric guitar was it acoustic like like really go deep on that yeah sure so i got the guitar and you know and you know guitar culture back then was so different you know there was maybe okay guitar player was definitely around and maybe by 82 83 maybe guitar for the practicing musician if you remember that magazines mm -hmm. was around but it kind of really i didn't see that too much until a few years later and so the acoustic came with a, like a folded piece of paper <laughs> kind of like a, the bad picture of how to like hold the guitar how to hold the pick one pick, came with a pick one pick and maybe how to play three chords you know like an e chord a g chord and a c chord maybe d not even d because it was too hard you right. know they had like kind of three chords and maybe like a like a song chart to Red River Valley or something like that, you know, and that was really what you got. And so I think I could play E and, and G kind of figured that, and then could play kind of start making out riffs on the low E's, you know, as many people, kids tend to do, you, you start kind of like, okay, I can work chromatically up yeah. and down the e, low E string and kind of figure out a riff here and there. Um, but I kind of just banged around for a few years and then, I, I I did ask for an electric, and so I did get an electric, like a Strat copy and a little Fender amp, um, like a little Fender Sidekick 15, which I still have somewhere. 
Um, I, I actually even have, I have all my guitars too. I have the harmony. I have the, the strap, oh, the Japanese strap. I, I keep everything. And um, so I, then, then it was like the same thing. And, and I think one day my brother had a job and, and one of his coworkers played guitar and he, he came over to the house and he showed me like power chords. And he said, Oh, if you like hard rock and stuff, 90% of hard rock songs just play these power chords. And so once he showed me that was like, okay, a big revelation. You could move that around. And then it took like you jamming on the low E string. You could, okay, start moving some chords around. But then around 87, one day I went to a local music store and I was just in there um, looking at kind of guitars and this guy, freaky dude comes up to me <laughs> and um, he looked like, he, you know, long hair, but he looked like he didn't look like a regular metal guy. He looked like he was like from the sixties or something, you know, or, or more quirky than that. I don't know if you know, there was this band out in LA called Red Cross and they kind of all, like dressed really weird and stuff. So he kind of had, he came from more of like a, this kind of early alternative background. Um, and he's like, Oh, you play guitar. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of, he's like, who do you like? And I'm like, um, like, he's like, you like Van Halen? And I'm like, yeah, I love Van Halen. So he pulls a guitar off the wall, plugs into it, turns it up really loud and starts playing like the intro to Hot for Teacher and uh. Eruption, like right in front of me, which I had never seen anybody do. And he was an, a teacher at the at the music store. And so I went home and I told my parents, like, look it, I got to, you know, I got to take lessons from this guy. And so they, they did. And, you know, and I came from a very kind of lower class back and there wasn't a lot of extra money for things like that. And and my dad was such a great person that he would work extra jobs on the weekend inside it, it, in addition to his regular nine to five, which was more like, you know, seven to six kind of job he would on the weekends either, you know, deliver the LA times or, you know, drive a sh airport shuttle van to get this extra money so I could, have things like guitar lessons. And, wow. and so it was, so for all the parents out there that really, you know, are working hard to make sure that their kids can stay in lessons, you know, know that they're, you know, down the line, they're greatly appreciated. <laughs> and, um, and, but once that I started doing that, and that was like around 12, 13, it was okay. Um, obviously learning, I kind of knew a bunch of chords because, you know, by then I'd started looking at magazines and kind of picking things mm -hmm. out with tablature and stuff. But then it was, okay, learning extended chords, like major sevens, minor sevens, you know, dominant chords, learning the harmonized major scale, learning modes. And then um, what was so cool about it, because he he could obviously play all that metal stuff and was very into it, but he was into even like cooler things at the time, like, like, Uli John Roth era Scorpions nice. and, and, um, but then turn me on to, he's like, you know, it's great. We'll learn docking and things like that and rat things that I was into, but he's like, you should also check out this really cool band, the Yardbirds and Jeff Beck and, you know, and Jimmy Page played in this band and Eric Clapton. And so he would show me these, um, Yardbirds tunes and other bands like Mott the Hoople. And, you know, so I got a much more rounded, um, musical education but i think kind of connecting the fretboard chords scale harmonies whatnot really took me a long way into basically allowed me to any band i was into i was already kind of ahead of the game because i could always play in key you know i could figure out what 
what what key a song was in and play even if i wasn't playing great things i could play in key i love that though i mean that's yeah yeah that's a huge thing that we try and do here with our students is we try and give them that rounded education because a lot of people will come in they see someone on instagram doing something that probably that person didn't even really do it sped up or some kind of wizardry but we'll we'll leave that for another time but and then we try and be like okay well do you know where where that came from that came from here and i think just the music history element connecting it to the theory will open up the guitar in such an incredible way and then to hear you know someone of your stature saying that that's just total validation that it works oh it's 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 and it's something that never ever leaves you and and i think it even pays off it pays off a lot in the beginning because you immediately start sounding better and you know what we would do really cool exercises like he would he would be like okay let's take the key of c and he'd write out like a little chord chart and that he'd say your homework for the week is i want you to write out it compose and write out a solo over these chords and then i'll put and then when you come in next week we'll play and then you play your solo and then we'll talk about what you're doing and you know, it was great. So I had, you know, and it, you know, because then you start saying like, well, why are you over the that chord? Why are you starting on that note? And you start right. learning like, oh, like the intervals and these things that I'm kind of playing these shapes. You start kind of connecting like the inner structure of it. And um, yeah, it was really great training. And and so it's really good early on. But where to me, where it's really paid dividends, like kind of having that training is is now i've been playing the instrument a really long time and then you're dealing with the different set of issues where you're like man i'm playing the same patterns over and over and i'm doing the same thing over and over so i need to expand my musical vocabulary which is really hard to do if you're completely self-taught if you if everything is just complete intuition and there's some people who can do it and and and, and don't get me wrong it doesn't mean that you that you can't like you have to but i feel like having some structure allows you to go like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna now tackle something like i took three years of jazz lessons when i lived in chicago a few years ago you know i i just was like okay i'm gonna do this and i was not a great player at it because it was just it's so difficult you know but by pushing myself and allowing myself to explore new territory and learn about kind of more extended harmonies and then really learning more about how chords work and how chord progressions can work and flow and key modulations can can work mm -hmm. it really translated back into just my rock playing yes in a way that yeah that's not like fusiony or but just there's like kind of a, a bigger awareness and i think those things are hard to do if you don't have some kind of basic groundwork foundation from which to work on Oh yeah, my God. And yeah. No, I'm sorry. I interrupt you. Go. No, 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 no. That's I'm good. I'm good. Well, I was just going to jump off what you said. Like, I was a very similar story. Uh, lessons, hard rock, uh, Metallica, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when I was coming up, um, you know, guitar music, like, you know, the 90s stuff was happening. And then the late 90s stuff started to transition into like the corn and all the downtune stuff. But yeah. I, mm -hmm. while that was popular, I was watching behind the music on VH1 and falling in love with all the 80s stuff. And then my guitar teacher was an 80s guy. So it was this full thing. But then when I went to college, um, a music degree, I had to focus on, uh, had to take a 
lessons in one particular instrument. Uh, it wasn't lesson. I can't find the right word, but I did jazz guitar because I was like, let's see what this is about. And it just changed my whole like oh my God, the instrument right. just turned inside out. And now yeah. as a teacher, like I make sure every student who comes in here is getting a little sprinkle of that, whether they want it or not, because they're going to thank me for it later, because it just changes so much of what rock guitar, you know, canon should be. No, absolutely. And and the fundamental thing, because which as uh, and maybe you'll disagree, but but coming from someone like myself who had a long history in playing rock and is in rock, you tend to just blow over a key mm -hmm. e minor and you go and and if you're a B, you know you're either stuck in the 12th fret pentatonic <laughs> which but if and it, but if you know more you can blow an e minor all over the neck which is great and and a lot of really great guitar players are in that mode um but then when you start learning something like jazz where you're like okay you have to start playing changes over the changes and really outlining the harmony with your lines that can be really hard because you're used to just like oh yeah. my god like i only got half a bar in i gotta change <laughs> i gotta change yeah. keys you know and um so it really has to restructure your mind but it really makes you so much more aware of what you're playing yes and you have to learn how to and it really comes down to listening like how to you know because i know myself one of the is sometimes you're just so focused you're like okay i'm trying to play well and play the song and play in time with the band and stuff so you become very kind of focused but once you start learning how to play this way you have to be able to do that and hear how you're sounding and you're improvising is sounding against what's going on and so it it's really sometimes you think it's all about playing in the mind but it's also about listening yes learning how to hear better and that's you would think that something like that isn't something that's a skill that's learned, but it is something that's absolutely something you can work on. Absolutely. Listen, <laughs> yeah. listen, dude, like, wow, yeah. like this is this is so cool <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, like yeah. when I'm sitting across from someone or any of the teachers who work for me, I really instill how important listening can be because and especially with that. Yeah, we'll shred E minor all day long. It's fun. It's cool. But when you have to change, like you said, half a bar, oh my God, something's coming and you're not ready for it. If you're not listening, you're going to miss it. So you're missing the purpose of the exercise. But then yeah. that can also be very intimidating if you don't know what to do with it, because all of a sudden something that was so comfortable is now brand new and challenging because you have to change everything, that rewriting of the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool it's, stuff. It's, yeah, it's bad stuff. So, um, oh, but to get back to my story. So, you know, I did, after I took lessons from that and I got that kind of foundation um, then I started more just playing in bands and getting like, kind of like, say like real world experience. And, you know, when I started playing, I graduated high school in 1992. So when I started high school, it was the very tail end of the eighties mm -hmm. kind of shred guitar era, high technique. And then by the end, it had totally shifted to the other, you know, to the other side of things. And, um, but I was very excited about the music and and kind of some other things that were, you know, there was a, a more creative element to the instrument, say, than maybe some, you know, or a different type of creativity. I wouldn't say more creative because I, I really don't believe in that. I actually think a different type of creativity mm -hmm. towards the instrument kind of became a kind of more of a dominant 
force in terms of like mainstream guitar and rock guitar. And um, so that was very interesting for a while too. And I got, a, you know, like I said, so I played in a lot of bands and then, um, you know, and then by the kind of, after I bummed around a while and kind of never really had any type of success in the music industry, I actually decided to go back to college and then ended up going and getting, um, working on my graduate, you know, a doctorate in, in literature and something um, not directly related, but, but all art is related to me. Sure. You know, you know, a lot of what I do, what I did in that realm really feeds into my musical ideas and how I approach music and, and whatnot. And, but it was while I was at graduate school, uh, at UCLA that someone suggested a friend of mine that knew someone in the, in the smashing pumpkins kind of world was like, Hey, they're looking for someone. And I think you should audition. And, and so then that became like a whole thing, you know, doing that. And, and then once I joined the Smashing Pumpkins, it was like, wow, like I'm a full-time musician now, which I'd never actually been able to do. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a completely different luxury and lifestyle. <laughs> you know, but, that's an awesome yeah. journey though. I mean, cause you know, my, my next yeah. question, the thing, you know, it's, it's 2005, Billy says he's putting the band back together and all of a sudden 07, you know, you're the guy like, what was so this is a multi-tiered question and i'm going to tie it into mm -hmm. something else take it wherever you want so um i've i've been i've interviewed richard fortis who plays in guns and roses and yeah yeah I know Richard. yeah yeah, yeah I know she was richard, so yeah. awesome dude i i bought um a uh, divided by 13 amp off of him after the oh. interview so, so if you got it if you <laughs> yeah. got any gear i'm a buyer just in case <laughs> yeah. um so a similar similar yet different you're in this amazing epic you know, legacy group and you're riding the journey and then some of the original other guys come back in, but you're still there. And I think that is such <laughs> a, but that's such a testament of what you're bringing to the table. But yeah, what, yeah. what was that? You know, so it's, it's a uh, seven, you're out there, you're doing the thing. Like what was, what was that whole experience? Very few people on this planet get to, to stand on that stage in that capacity. So. Yeah. I'm just, um, you know, there's so much because, you know, now after 15 years, I have a much different perspective on the journey than I did, say, if I would have answered this question two years in or five years sure. in. And um, I realize now I had no idea what I was getting myself into. You know, you think all those years you're, you're, you're a musician in training and you want that, you know, but it's kind of joining a band with already an established history is much different than starting a band with your buddies sure, and then getting signed and getting success and you kind of growing up and experiencing it all together. This is, you go from, you have a day-to-day -day life doing what is it. And then all of a sudden it's radically, it, it's not a gradual shift. It's like a <laughs> radical shift. All of a sudden you're like, <laughs> yeah, you're in, you're in a rehearsal room practicing six hours, six to eight hours a day. Um, there was just so much, I mean, first of all, I'll just give like, you know, uh, 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 you know, after the, after I got the gig and I, I guess I should, you know, I think it might be insightful to talk about like uh, the reasons I personally think that maybe I got the gig com compared to, to other people. I think that there was a first component was maybe a stylistic thing which was to be in the smashing pumpkins you have to be able to play heavy really well 
but you also have to be able to play like say this kind of post-punk new wavy atmospheric guitar really well too plus acoustic guitar right folk guitar you know you know because yeah. the band really casts a very wide palette of sounds and influences and by design i think billy always thought about it as like in a in a zeppelin-y kind of way where there's all different types of music that kind of fits within the concept of what is smashing pumpkins and so to be able to kind of do all those things really what i think you have to have had grown up in a certain era where those things were exposed to you and so i think that um the fact that that i was invested in all those things in a real in a real way really helped because i did grow up during those eras and and so i think that you know i was the first person that auditioned on guitar and and so they knew they're like well it can't be this easy we feel like we have to audition <laughs> other people because it just doesn't make any sense but i think kind of what they found out after they auditioned other people from what they told me is that you'd find like a really good heavy player but when it came to playing the more like i said this kind of new wavy atmospheric post-punk kind of guitar like it was kind of a foreign thing to them and not really you know quite sure how to do it and vice versa you'd find like a cool alternative guitar but, but couldn't really play the heavy stuff mm. you know in the right way and then um so i think there's that there's also the fact that i wasn't a quote unquote um like la you know la is full of people and this is not a bad thing because I, I i don't i think that the how the reasons of of well first of all if you can pay your bills playing music you're all that's like such a small minority of musicians that actually are are fortunate enough to actually like you live and sustain yourself. So how you get that done, I am no person to judge, you know, but we're all different types of people. So LA, there's lots of people who move here and they're just like, hey, I'm gonna audition for every gig I can get, whether it's Shakira to Smashing Pumpkins. And the, you know, they, they certainly didn't want, you know, uh, someone not like that. So the fact that I wasn't like, quote unquote, a professional musician actually helped helped me. And the fact that I came in and I brought in my own identity, my own style, my own way of being a musician was something that um, was very valuable to, um, to them at the time. So I think that that, that helped me. Um, yeah. So, but then once I got the gig, it was, it was crazy because I mean, I had only had, I think I had maybe two electric guitars. <laughs> you know what I mean? and, you know and uh, you know some pedals and a, you know um like a 60s fender amp you know which wasn't really suited for the gig and actually when i was auditioning my a good friend of mine actually let me borrow his marshall head and cabinet so i could actually have something that was suitable for the audition because i didn't even have anything like that wow so the first rehearsal i show up and there's les paul's diesel amps um you know bogner amps i'd never even played through that stuff so imagine you're showing up for rehearsal you have a 60 songs on this on the proposed set list to start sifting through you have um all these guitars you've never played before and amps you've never played before and then at a volume you've never played before it was crazy um, and it was hard. It was really, it was really difficult. But I think 
I can say the only thing that got me through it is I was willing to put in the work. You know, I told Bill, you know, because, yeah, I was just struggling to to survive the first couple of days. And instead, and, and I remember what I told him as I said, I know I'm I'm struggling, but I said, I want you, and, and, I, and I know you're pushing me hard just because you want me to get better. And I said, you know, I really, I said, push me as hard as you want because I just want to improve and be the best I can be. And, and kind of from that moment when he knew I was willing to to kind of put in like the work and do whatever it took to sound, to sound good. We've never really had a problem ever. Yeah. Because we're on the same page when it, when it came to that, but it was, it was, I mean, it was tough. You know what I mean? Like that first couple years of shows, I mean, we played like some um, like massive shows, massive audiences. I don't remember a lot of it because I was just so focused on not messing up. I was just so focused on like, like keeping it together. And, and we didn't use in-ears and stuff at the time because in-ears were still kind of new and not many people used them yet. And so we were just blasted. So it was just so loud and I wore earplugs, but it just was such a, you know, the stages were so big and, and just so different. It was, it just took me a lot to get used to. And, um, so I, I didn't really, I can't say I really enjoyed a lot from those first couple of years because I was just trying to hold it together. Um, so now when we play those types of shows, it's just so much fun for me because it's, I really, it, it's it's just, I'm, I've played, you know, thousands of gigs now with the band and, and it's completely different experience for me. But at the time it was really tough, you know, so. But to answer now the second half of your question. So we, you know, we, um, trudged through you know those those years and you know there was you know jimmy left the band a couple times and, and so there, then we had new new members to where billy was the only original member left and you know so i've been in the band you know since this whole time and then um i guess it's probably around 2015 2016 um you know we started billy started talking about you know um, come back to the band and and you know I've told the story many times so but it was not a surprise because he was completely transparent about the whole thing and he told me from the very very beginning that even if James comes back you're not going anywhere so it was not a it was never a threatening situation to me it was always only a um, a positive situation so it really wasn't it really wasn't weird at all and and um, once I met James um, he was always completely, completely like nice to me. And, and there was never weirdness. And to, you know, now I would say like, we're actually pretty good friends and we just talk to each other about tons of non-band stuff. And, and we both out, live out here in LA. And so we see each other from time to time. And yeah, it's been an extremely positive situation. And, and I tell people this, cause this is, it's something that I didn't even really rec like recognize at first or our thought would happen is that him coming back actually created more space for me to be myself because before he came back you know when you're playing the catalog of songs where he was part of them i was essentially doing a lot of his former job which was playing a certain style covering a certain frequency range which really wasn't my forte you know, I was, you know, James always played a Les Paul. You know, I didn't 
ever play Gibsons, which I, you know, did once I joined the band. Um, and, but now that he's back, I don't play, I don't have to play those things as much. And so I was able to kind of create uh, kind of a new Sonic territory kind of in between him and Billy. And it's, so it's actually really nice. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah. And it's great. And, and, and like I said, he was such, <clears throat> so sweet and so kind, like, I mean, he walked, he told me, he said, I'm not here to step on your shoes and I have no ego about this. And I just want this to be a great situation for everybody. And, and that, you know, that, and I realized that was such a, such a, you know, mature thing for him to do. So I, I really, it, it, like I said, it, it wasn't, people always think it would be weird. And, and I could see from the outside why you would think that, but it actually wasn't. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's as, as a fan of the band and as, as a, you know, musician who's toured and everything. And, and that's, that's what you want to hear. You know, you want to hear the positivity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to dig back into something from the beginning of when you got um, the gig and those, those huge tours and those first couple of years, festivals and mm -hmm. things like that, you know, being that we're a school, a lot of our students, are younger in their musical journey they're towards the beginning so um you know we'll book them shows we'll do uh big big shows for the students here we'll put them in bands and get them out performing and stage fright is just an epic thing that they all feel and um you know i i try and talk to them about mental preparation and things like that and and you know seeing the gig before it happens but what was your process you know then and now and in the beginning and just in general um one thing that i've even to this day that I use to kind of confront stage fright is I want to feel as confident as I can before I walk on stage. And, and something that I never did before joining the band, but was something that was basically um, asked of me, <laughs> you know, uh, was that you have to warm up before going on stage. And it seems so obvious, but I was in tons of bands. You know, you show up to the club, have a couple of drinks, hang out, walk on stage, yeah, <laughs> right? especially in the alternative nineties where, you know, precision wasn't, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't, you know, the, the big thing. And, um, you know, that was really an eye opening thing. And then that became kind of a, um, something that I really rely on even to this day is when I feel really warmed up and I'm not talking like a quick, you know, some people are like, Hey, like a quick 15 minute warm up for me when I, even to this day, like I love to show up to the gig hours before and I love to play for hours. And so when I walk on stage, I'm so loose. And usually what I warm up on is actually harder than almost anything that I'm gonna play on stage. So when I go on stage, I feel extremely confident because I've been like forcing my brain up here, my hands, like my timing, all these things on things that are kind of stretching my playing. And so then when I go to play the gig, it's actually like a few levels down and it's and it feels very comfortable and almost, I don't wanna say like easy, but easier than what I was just doing. and that's a technique that's, that's been extremely effective for me, extremely effective. And then, you know, I know, and this sounds like a, like maybe like such an obvious thing too, but 
especially when especially when you try to first go on stage is to not is to try to slow things down and and i think the best way to slow things is just remember to breathe because mm. that's something that i would do is is especially even if i had difficult passages i realized like you're not breathing you're not you're not doing you're not remaining in a normal bodily flow so that's something it's so basic but just kind of kind of focus on on your breathing relax and then like i said that coupled with warm-up really makes me you know kind of like not worry about like playing on stage anymore even though it's still those first couple minutes are always there's like an adrenaline rush and i think that's 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 something that over time is something it's really hard to replicate you can't i don't think you can replicate it in the practice room is the adrenaline rush that you get when you walk on stage yeah because we rehearse sometimes for tours for six weeks and we're playing six hours a day running the sets and we're you know i feel like man i'm playing hard and then as soon as the tour starts the first couple of shows my hands are just ripped apart like i feel like this kind of fatigue my nails are ripped off and i think it's the only difference is, is you can't replicate what it's like to play with the adrenaline running through you. Right. And, you know, and that's just something. So that's why it's so important to um, really try and bring yourself down <laughs> as soon as you can. I like, love, dude, that, you know, with that is tremendous advice because I've asked yeah. that question to a lot of people and the particular thing about playing hard stuff to make the easier stuff, like, no one's ever said that before. So I love that. I'm going to start. Yeah, you know, um, I always find it weird. You know, this is a, you know, and I've, and I've, one of the, um, and like I said, this is not, that's just like me personally, you know, and um, this is not being judgmental by any stretch of imagination, but I've had the luxury to be, you know, sometimes you play these festivals, these really huge festivals with huge bands, you know, and you're not, you don't really have private, you kind of have private dressing rooms, but they're like in a big building. And so it's just basically like office dividers kind of, you know. And so I heard very famous guitar players warming up for their show. And it blows my mind when people play their own riffs that they're going to play like. 10 minutes later, like as a warm up. Yeah. Because I feel like if you're warming up on that, like, like that's like, you're not preparing yourself to play beyond that. And, you know, with pumpkins, we improvise a bit. So I want to be like really comfortable on the instrument. And so if there's a moment where we're going and I want to be able to go for something, I want to be like, Hey, my hands have it gone there you know so if i want to hit that fifth gear you know yeah. i really want to be i really want to be able to to do it and um yeah so like i said to me that just it just doesn't make sense to me what makes sense to me is is to always like i said is to play a little bit play beyond what you have to do you know now we all get into those situations as a, as a working musician where we're certainly you're you know and this is super fun about being a musician too is where you walk into sound check and Billy's like, Hey, I want to play, you know, G 
good times, bad times by Led Zeppelin tonight or something. Just maybe, we've never played that song, but you know what I mean? And you have, so you are literally backstage learning how to play the solo because you got to play it in front of 10,000 people in 20 minutes. So there are situations like that, but you know, they're um, not as often as you'd think, especially, you know, for us, because the bigger shows we play, it's like a, it's a very tight production. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. That's, that's yeah, tremendous yeah. value in that. Uh, before I go into uh, the gear section of this, which is a deep hole with no bottom, I always like to try and, and, and you can take this as far or as not as far as you like, but I think it's fascinating when people think of musicians, they, they know them as the musician, they know their work, they know what they see on stage, but I always think it's cool to know, like, do you have any daily routines? Well, what's a day in the life of, of, of Jeff? What, what are you doing? Um, I'm an early riser. Okay. You know, so I like to wake up early. And usually what I like to do first thing in the morning is I'm a big reader. So I go, well, I'm a big coffee drinker, you know, first. So it's always going, it's wake up, coffee. And then I usually read for a few hours and journal, right? Kind of get my, kind of mentally prepare myself for like the, the, the work day. And then, you know, I have a, um, a wonderful dog. So I take, the, you know, read for a while. He gets up, we go for a walk, you know, for half an hour or so. Um, and then, um, and then by that time, then it's kind of start getting into to musical things. Because once I start, I like to start off in this very kind of quiet way, because once the day starts, it can kind of, depending on what needs to happen, um, it can kind of run away from me. During the, the last the last year we've been working on a new pumpkins record so it's been a lot of recording so by that by 10 o'clock or so it's get in the shower eat and then i'm off to a i was been off to a studio in the other side of town um recording my guitar tracks and um yeah so that's usually what it is but if not then i'm either here and you can't this is like i'm kind of my home studio and i i'm just either practicing guitar or recording, you know, tons, tons of that. Yeah. But that's, I don't really do much other than I really focus. I really, prefer, I really am blessed and I really enjoy the life of being a musician. And so I just love to play. I, I, I just love to play the guitar. I play all the time, you know, you know, and, um, and I'm always, I have a whole, slew of things that I'm, you know, that I'm always kind of focused on my plane. So if I don't have anywhere to go, which I'm actually usually very happy about, it's, I kind of focus on things like right now, um, I just picked up Jennifer Batten's book on, it was called Intervallic, Ultra Intervallic oh, Guitar Licks. Fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude. Because, you know, I worked on Joe Diorio's Intervallic Designs in my, with my jazz lessons, and those are great. But these, her book is cool because it's kind of does some, but you know, those, those are, licks are very much kind of jazz vocabulary in a way. And, and you certainly could play them with distorted record, but her book is a little more puts you in the kind of the rock realm. So I've been working on that, um, sort of working through those things. And, and again, you know, and that's, you know, that's what's so great about having the musical background that I have is because I got, I got the book right here. You know, the first section is I think what Mixolydian licks. So mm -hmm. if you don't know what that means, 
you're like, okay, <laughs> if, if you don't know how to apply, how to apply that, you know, but to me, it's great. I'm like, okay, oh, awesome. I know how to, you know, I know what that means. So I, I'm learning all these things and um, it's, it, so I'm doing that and then I'll work on, th- like, I'm always working on like, okay, like I've spent the last like four or five years, like I really wanted to get like my alternate picking together. So I really, you know, got out the Paul Gilbert DVDs and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. And then even took a few lessons with Michelangelo when I was, you know, wow. when I still lived in Chicago. He, you know, he's a Chicago, um, Chicago based dude. And so, and we've become friends over the years. And, and um, so he's been super helpful and, and, you know, cause I was working, you know, sometimes when you're working on technique and whatnot, you get lost and you're like, okay, I've, I've kind of hit this plateau that I can't get over. Am I doing something wrong? And, and that's why having teachers is so great. I mean, the internet and books and everything are, are fantastic, but having someone in the room with you to go like, like, Hey, like you got it, but, look at your right hand and this and you know I mean and and it'll be a little bit easier or like yeah that's great that you're playing it like that but that may come back to haunt you if you don't learn how to you know finger things in this way or use your pinky and stuff you know if you want to start doing these other things so and i think that that's kind of you know i don't want that to get lost because i think like i've definitely benefited from this proliferation of 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 guitar knowledge that's out there at our fingertips. But I, 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 like I said, I love having teachers. I and love that you I, said that. Oh man. Yeah. And so like when I was <laughs> like my alternate, I was like, I'm just going to hit up Michelangelo and ask, you know, I'm lucky enough that, you know, I'm in a band that he's going to answer my message. Right. Maybe. <laughs> you know I mean? So, um, but you know, like I said, I, when I was in Chicago, there was, there's a great, the old town school of folk, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like a really big music school in mm-hmm. the city, historic musical. And, you know, I took, I, I took, I, I just signed up for a jazz class. And then the teacher was so great that I, you know, I started, I did three years of privates with him till I basically moved. And um, I think, like I said, having teachers is, is the best. That Dude, one-on-one got... instruction that's tailored to what you need. There's, there's no way you can get that. You can replicate that experience. You know, I, I, you know, and like I said, I'm not just telling you that because I'm talking to you. It's because that was really my experience. I, I appreciate that so much because yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's aside from, yes, I'm a teacher. That's my mission statement, but that was how I learned. That's how my teachers were. And that's why I think I am the player I am. And I'll often work with a student who's watching, you know, one of the big YouTube guys and they're teaching him how to play a D chord into an A major chord. And the fingers they're using make absolutely no sense, except for the one instance of going from a D to an A. And I try and explain to him that video exists to get you to watch that video and learn, Oh, wow, I'm playing guitar, but it's only for that one transition. It's going to mess you up for everything else. And it's a bad habit. You're going to have forever and please let's let's discuss this a bit more and and when they realize that they're like wow and that comes from the dialogue the interactivity of a person sitting across from you and saying "Eh, i don't know about that so well and as you know from having um you know especially you get a lot of this more in, in jazz but even in rock is when you have to it's one thing to have this passive 
relationship with like, okay, I'm getting this off the screen and I turn it off then I'm just going to sit here and work on it. And that's great. But when you're in a room with a student and teacher and you're like, okay, I'm going to play and now we're going to play together. And you, and you're constantly having to learn how to actually take what you're doing and make it musical in real time. And, you know, even if it's a duo, that's oftentimes what's really lost. Yep. You know, and, and I think that's kind of one of the um, potential, like, like say, you know, without sounding too negative, you know, harmful side effects of like this kind of, uh, let's say like social media culture of guitar is that it's isolated. Yes. It's, it's people in an idealized situation, whether or not it was sped up, um, basically sync, lip synced, you know, guitar, yep. sync, I don't know what you, yep. call, you know, um, or, or whatever. It's not playing live in a room in front of an audience yep. with all the, kind of chaos that's going on and all the different things that you have to um, um, negotiate when you're playing in that, in that framework. And, and then too, you know, I think a lot of it too is, 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 um, you know, it's not playing covers and stuff is awesome. You know, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> and certainly some people, some musicians out there, guitar players get paid really well to play, covers and 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 i have no problem with that like i said if you can survive being a musician hey that's really difficult and um and and i love to learn i i learn tons of songs by other people because i you know i love to get underneath the hood of what mm-hmm. well, what was eddie van halen doing or steve Vai or and really now that i can kind of start playing some of these things i'm like oh, i really want to learn and kind of you know but I think another thing that sometimes gets lost then though is really the ultimate thing is to develop your own style. If 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 that's where you want to go with your playing, like if you want to be a musician who's who's um, known for you know doing uh, like providing their own contributions to to music, it's really about um, developing your own style. And that's something that took me. I wish that's some advice that I wish that I had gotten earlier in a certain way because it seems so obvious right it seems so obvious but it's really not because um you're you know at some point you're just trying to gain proficiency on the instrument and and um but really the all the players that that i love the most are people that have like the most unique styles whether it's Ingve or Steve Vai or Satriani or Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine or Billy Corgan or you name it, Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Jr., you know, Thurston Moore, Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth or Joe Pass on guitar. You know, I mean, you yeah. name it, that you can hear those people and within, you know, 10 seconds less, you know who it is. And, and that's not predicated on technique or or not tech it's predicated on like what the sound that's coming out of the guitar or the amplifier and and kind of the relentless pursuit of that is something that i wish that i um had spent more time earlier in my career 
you know, doing, but you know, I don't, I try not to get fixated on things like what I, what I didn't do. Cause it's sure. like, I'm, Hey, it's, I'm, I'm still alive, still playing. I don't care, you know, work on it now. And, um, yeah, yeah so those, but, but that's something that I think sometimes is lost because it's like, you get like these very fragmented versions of playing, Yes. you know, and, and taking that and getting out of the bedroom or, you know, wherever it is, the practice space and out into the world is that's a difficult process. Mm -hmm. That's a very difficult process. And you know what too, is I'll see a lot of my students is like, they'll see these videos of these players that are putting stuff out on social media. And, uh, my first response is, okay, well now find, find that, find that guy doing that live. And it doesn't exist because it's just these perfect scenario, the lip sync, whatever <laughs> it is, it's all good. But I say, you know, you have two choices. You really do. You can choose to be intimidated or you can choose to be inspired. And I always go with inspiration because intimidation is a waste. Like, what's that going to do? Now you're not going to play guitar. That's dumb. Like, find something about what you're seeing there that makes you want to do your own version of that because you're never going to do what that person's doing. That's that person. Let them be that person. So like you just said, man, that's finding your voice that I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and having the confidence to do that in a in an age where there's so much, like I said, with the beautiful thing about the internet is it's there's so much awesome information out there. Whatever path, whatever rabbit hole, guitar wise, you want to go down, you can find it. But then the bad thing too is you have so many people with an opinion, and many of them, you know, sadly negative about. Yes people's play and that you know and that's really to me a sad thing about guitar culture that i that i if i could wish anything upon the world is that that would just disappear and let people just do their thing you know because it's just it doesn't go anywhere you know (laughs) it doesn't it's just bullies yeah 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 so um, all right I'm going to pivot us over to the gear side of things, if you will. All right. Sure. sure I see. Sure, I sure. see in, in this bigger picture. If I pan this out, I'm going to see your studio. I think let's see if that works. There it is. All right. Yeah, there we now, go. now we got some stuff around us. Cool. Okay. So this is a series of rapid fire questions. This or that all gear, nerdy stuff. Feel free to go on tangents, defend your answer, whatever <laughs> you want. Um, okay. All right. Here we go. Ready? Humbucker or single coil pickup? Humbucker. All right. Les um, Paul. Just, oh, no. Yeah, I was going to say Humbucker. I mean, even though I do love single coils too, but um, in my main stage guitars, all things considered, uh, I'm going to want a Humbucker. Yeah. Like I said, all these questions, the answer is usually both. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Les Paul or Strat? Strat. All right. Uh, Strat or Telecaster? Strat. All right. If you're grabbing a Gibson, would it be a Les Paul or an SG? Uh, Les Paul. Les All right. Paul. Tremolo or non-trim? Tremolo. Cool. 22 <laughs> or 24 frets? Um, 24. And, you know, I more recently in the last, I don't know, four or five years started getting into 24. And now when I play a 22, I'm like, Oh my gosh, where, where'd they go? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, all my, like, I'm lucky enough, you know, that Yamaha makes me custom guitars. And so every time I get a cut, they're almost always 24 fret. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, when you're grabbing a guitar pick, do you prefer a thin, medium, or heavy pick? Heavy. Okay. Heavy. Yeah. In fact, I've, over, again, over the last couple of years, I've gone to heavier and heavier yeah. and lighter strings, heavier picks. Interesting. All right. Well, that's my next yeah. question. Uh, Oh, you you got digital digital blur for a second there. Yeah, sorry. So for your guitar strings, nines, tens, or elevens? Uh, e natural nines, uh, E flat, which we played, then tens. But yeah, okay. but historically I used to use tens for E natural, but now I've gone down to nines. And yeah, like I said, thicker thicker picks, lighter strings. That seems to be the the, the better combination for me. Cool. Sorry, I think seem to be getting glitchy. I apologize. I don't know what it looks like on your end, but if you don't hear me, just let me know. Um, uh, for the fretboard, rosewood or maple? Rosewood. All right. Now this is this is a polarizing one. I'm sorry. What was that last part? I we're like delayed here. It's all broken. Oh, uh, rosewood. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Okay. This is a polarizing question. Do you prefer tube amps or amp? modeling technology and that's a two two tier question so on a gig it's one thing versus studio it's another um i guess you know i i i i tend to use tube amps in um lot well live for sure we still use you know we still use amps um but I'm happy to use modeling too. And I, and I do use in the studio, I actually use a combination of both. Um, Cause sometimes, you know, I get great things through modeling stuff and, you know, sometimes it, there's no reason to change it. So, cause it just, it actually just sounds good and works. So, and a lot of times on a lot of tracks I've been doing recently, um, there's, there's, there's a combination of both. You know, um, it even you'd be surprised. And, you know, a lot of times you really can't tell the difference. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, at least I can't. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into some uh, effect pedal choices. If you had to choose delay or reverb. Delay. Okay. Fuzz or overdrive. Ooh. Fuzz. Okay. Phaser or chorus? Chorus. All right. And then just a few random uh, band choice questions. Is it the Beatles or the Stones? Beatles. Beatles. All right. All right. Is it John or Paul? Ooh. John. John. Okay. All right. No wrong answers. It's okay. It's all good. Bowie or Dylan? Bowie. Zeppelin or Floyd? Ooh, Zeppelin, I think. Even though I love both, I love both. I know that's it's a tough impossible. One. Yeah. yeah. All right, and then if we if we were in the Floyd world, is it um side or the wall? Dark side of the moon. Yeah. Beautiful. Is that what you said? All right. Yep. Dark side of the wall. Sorry, it's getting really yeah, yeah, choppy. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. I yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one more for you, and then wrap it up just because i don't want it to completely crap the bed on us um if you're trapped <laughs> in a desert desert island you get one guitar one amp and what pedal what would you take you have endless power supply and batteries and, and all of that and so 
I would take a um, strap, fuzz face, and a Marshall Plexi. Oh, that's a fantastic combination. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, in there you got you got a lot of sounds, a lot of tone, you know, um, tons and tons of, you know, you can have clean with just the Marshall, right? You know, if you kind of have the plexi, like not super distorted, distorted with the fuzz face, but then you also have the fuzz face with the volume down um, type of cleans and kind of in and overdriven sounds in between. So that's, that's a, there's a lot in there. And plus the Strat, you know, that's what I love. There's so many tones out of a Strat. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a well-educated question. I liked, I liked our answer. I should say, I liked how there was depth to that. <laughs> Usually, people just blindly just say this, this, and that. But that, I, I agree entirely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I never apologize. like to be. You know, that's a, no. I was gonna say that's the thing is, I never like to be. Um, uh, you know, from when I first started playing, I, I, I had very early on, I had a like a multi effects. You know, I always like to have a lot of sounds. So mm. anything that's just kind of like one sound, I'm always a little bit bummed. So I'm always looking for variety. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree entirely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time, dude. I, I'm sorry that the uh, connection has gotten rough here. Usually, when I repost it at the end, uh, this fix this lag and things so when this does repost it should look better and if it doesn't i apologize but the audio is on so i can still hear the audio and happy belated birthday man uh, yeah, that's a, that's a birthday oh thank you too, so. <laughs> yeah 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 no, <laughs> yeah thank you no it was my pleasure i mean anytime you want to have me I'm, I'm always i'm always available so oh i am known to do part two so we may we may fall more into gear stuff there we'll just go nerd out over guitar players we'll talk about lick it up yeah, right? yeah. we're gonna talk about kiss that's what <laughs> we're gonna go deep dive into lick it rob up. and jeff go deep on kiss <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anytime anytime so. all right brother well you stay safe out there thank you so much for your time and we'll talk soon okay thank you all right Thanks, bye. bye bye bye